And now, a warrior for the Word of God and the Constitution of the United States, a Marine Corps veteran, a Harvard-trained attorney, Bishop of the Called Churches, and founder and president of STAND, staying true to America's national destiny, the voice of the awakening, your host, Bishop E. W. Jackson. And I am he. Great to be with you again today. Oh, what a wonderful weekend it was. Folks, uh, just uh, so much to talk about. Uh, and I'm just excited about being back on the air this morning because there's so much to, to deal with this morning. But I, first of all, just want to thank Andrew Walmack Ministries. I was there uh, on Saturday for their Truth and Liberty Conference and was one of the speakers on Saturday morning. If you haven't caught that, go to Truth and Liberty. I think it's truthandliberty.com, but you Google it. It's, it's easy to find. And uh, I had uh, Richard Harris was on the program, Mario Murillo, uh, Andrew Walmack, just, just a wonderful time. And I just want to thank them for their hospitality and, and just encourage all the people who were there and, and, frankly, the tens of thousands, maybe even millions, who saw it online. And, of course, it's going to be there, available for people to see over and over and over again. And just want to thank them for the, for, for the wonderful treatment that, that we received there, as always, because it's just a wonderful ministry. He's a wonderful man. In addition to that, they had a commemoration a tribute, oh, folks, I tell you, a tribute to 911, to the heroes uh, who, who saved lives that day, to the people who just courageously met their end, like the people on Flight 93, just courageously met their end. And I tell you, it, you couldn't watch that, folks, this wonderful, it was a live presentation, but you couldn't see it without, without tearing up. It, it was just so powerful. And, and a reminder to us of the wonderful country we have. I don't care what these half-baked, two-bit Marxists have to say about America and all these race-obsessed idiots have to say. Uh, this is a wonderful country. It is a great country with great people in it. And, and yes, we've done great things. Made our share of mistakes. The whole world has. That's why God sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross for our sins. Because the whole world has made mistakes. The whole world has committed sin. But there's not a nation that's ever existed like the United States of America that has provided so much hope and inspiration. And I tell you, it just, just renews why, why I, I am a patriot and, and I'm not backing up or backing down not one iota. And so uh, God bless the, the folks. Uh, in fact, um, the woman who produced this program is not American-born. And we had a discussion after uh, the program about how people who have not been born in America, people who have escaped real oppression, real oppression, not this garbage that they want. Oh, this is oppression. You're oppressed because you're, you're, you're a woman. You're oppressed because you're black. You're oppressed. I mean, not. I'm talking about real oppression where people... Where, where the government persecutes you, arrests you, locks you up, tortures you, murders you, tells you what you can and cannot say under threat of death, real oppression. And they come to this country and they see the direction we're going in and they weep. They weep. They say, because this is what I escaped. And I come to America and they're trying to give us the same thing. 
So, folks, I, I had a wonderful time. But in addition to that, it was my anniversary. And so my wife went with me, and we stayed out there and had a, a great time out in uh, out in that area. You know, Colorado Springs is a beautiful, beautiful city. I mean, I'm talking about, of course, the natural surroundings. And, and I, I sometimes shake my head at how these leftists just just take a uh, the wonderful gift of God and just manage to to just ruin the culture and the atmosphere. You know, Colorado, marijuana is legalized. Even Denver, even methamphetamine, even uh, they've even legalized mescaline, which is a which is a a hallucinogenic drug, folks, and it's legal in Denver. Yes, you can you can get high on mescaline and you know hallucinate all you want. And, and and when my wife were out there one time vacationing, we noticed a number of near accidents on the road. And we both looked at each other and said, you know what? These people are high. Some of these people are high. <laughs> but I'll tell you what. They, they can't undo the beauty of Pikes Peak. And they can't undo the beauty of the wonderful mountains and ranges and, 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 and greenery and trees that God gave us. And God gave us this country as well. So I just wanted to to give a, a, a thank you and, and acknowledge uh, the wonderful ministry and work that they're doing out there. And by the way, folks, uh, aside from American Family Association and a few conservative organiz- Christian organizations, and now American Family Association has a broad, a very broad mission. Uh, our mission is not political per se. Our mission is to advance the cause of Christ and to advance the cause of family. Um, but I don't know of any ministries that are primarily focused on simply the gospel, teaching and training people in the Bible, which is what Andrew Womack Ministries is focused on, that have also taken the courageous step of getting fully engaged in the political and civic life of the nation. That's what Truth and Liberty is all about. That's his kind of p- a political and civic arm of the ministry. And, and frankly, folks, I don't know very many ministries in America that are doing that. I'm talking about nationwide ministries that are that have taken the step of saying, hey, we're not only going to just we'll preach the gospel. We're going to keep doing that. That is our focus. But we're going to we're going to talk about the implications of the gospel in every aspect of life, including our political and civic life. And God bless them for doing it, because it, to me, it is it is an oasis. And frankly, I think in many ways, a central point of awakening, a central point of awakening. I don't know very many conservative Christian leaders who haven't been there to speak or or taught at the school or in some way interacted with Andrew Wabnick Ministries. And, and and the other thing, folks, is this, which, which is wonderful, is that we've got to get over our denominational divisions. We've got to get over our doctrinal divisions. When we come to Jesus Christ, we are one family. And no, we don't maybe agree on every point of Scripture and all that, but we agree that Jesus Christ is Lord. We agree that he died on the cross for our sins. We agree that he rose on the third day. A bodily, physical resurrection, that the Lord of glory is both man and God. We agree that God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we agree that the Bible is the inerrant word of the living God. Well, my goodness gracious, folks, that's a lot of agreement. <laughs> you know, that is a lot of agreement. And we can march forward together on that and help save our country on that. So so praise God. Uh, I had a wonderful time. Now, look, this is a Celebrate American History Month. 
here on The Awakening and uh, in our organization, staying true to America's national destiny. Because September 17th, of course, Friday is Constitution Day, the day our Constitution was passed by the Continental Congress. And, um, and of course, that, that day is right smack almost in the middle of the month. And that's why we chose September as that month, because we have the most successful governing document in the history of mankind. Ah, to what, what, oh my goodness. I preach, by the way, uh, what, out of Romans uh, chapter 11, verse 9, the gifts and the calling of God are without revocation. And I preach, what will you do with the gifts and the calling? Because I really believe that America is a gift from Almighty God. And the question for us is, what will we do with it? And I'll tell you, I think there are enough Americans here who know, understand that and are willing to stand up for that, that we're not going to degenerate into some sort of Marxist socialist nonsense. So we've got some guests coming up. Um, I'm going to have Bill Federer on. I've already had David Barton. I'm going to have Bill Federer on. I'm going to have Stephen McDowell on, historians, to talk about the importance of American, his, of American history in the context of these times. So, folks, I'm excited. The future is looking bright. Back in a moment. This is Viewpoints with Kirby Anderson. Abortion is back in the news for a variety of reasons. This fall, the Supreme Court will hear the case of Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization based on the Mississippi pro-life bill. Also, the Texas legislature passed a heartbeat bill that became law, and Nancy Pelosi announced that the U.S. House of Representatives will vote on the Women's Health Protection Act attempting to enshrine abortion law. Many of us feel like we've been here before. In 1992, the Supreme Court heard oral arguments for Casey versus Planned Parenthood, but the court merely reaffirmed a modified version of the 1973 abortion decision of Roe versus Wade. In 2020, a Supreme Court appointed by two pro-life Republican presidents decided not to change the abortion law, yet there are some who believe that this time might be different. Charles Cook makes the case that the problem is Roe. The problem has always been Roe. It is not this or that law. It is not this or that precedent. It is is not this or that state or legislature or governor. Why does he say that? Because legally Roe has always been utter nonsense and because deep down we all know it. Listen to two pro-choice legal scholars. John Hart Ely argued that abortion decision was indefensible in every conceivable way that a Supreme Court decision could be indefensible. It was a super protected right that is not inferable from the language of the Constitution. Harvard professor Lawrence Tribe observed one of the most curious things about Roe is that behind its own verbal Smokescreen, the substantive judgment on which it rests is nowhere to be found. Over the next few months, we will be hearing about abortion laws and rulings, but we might want to pause and consider that the original abortion decision of Roe is really the problem. I'm Kirby Anderson, and that's my point of view. Go deeper on topics like you just heard by visiting pointofview.net. That's pointofview.net. 
The following are real-life stories from Trinity Debt Management. My story begins with debt, a lot of debt. I used my credit cards as a source of income. It was not a good situation. I couldn't pay my bills. The interest on the cards was really high. If you're in debt and you need help, call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. I initially was scared to call, and immediately I felt relieved. They contacted all of our creditors, and they put us on a plan for success. Trinity will consolidate your accounts to one easy-to-manage monthly payment, reduce your interest, and possibly improve your credit score. You'll save thousands. I've been able to pay off close to $15,000. We're doing a lot better. Please pick up the phone and see how affordable and easy it is to pay off your debt. It's a godsend. We're debt-free for keeps. Call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. That's 1-800-788-1813. The Awakening. The Awakening. Download and listen at your leisure with the podcast page at AFR.net. Now, back to our host, Bishop E.W. Jackson. And for those of you who are living in Mississippi, anywhere near Jackson, Mississippi, uh, I'm going to be speaking there on Thursday at a Unite Mississippi luncheon at 1 p.m., of course, that's Central Time, at the Sparkman Auditorium. Uh, And the luncheon's almost full, but I understand there are still a few seats left. So if you want to go, just contact them. Um, I think you do that by going to the um, msagmuseum.org. We can call our office uh, or email us. Why don't, why don't we do that? <laughs> email us at, uh, why don't you email us at ewj at standamerica.us and we'll direct you where, prop, where, where we need to if you can't find it under the msag museum.org that's this coming thursday september the 16th well look folks folks this is uh celebrate american history month here on the awakening and i'm having some special guests who are well versed in american history as is my guest today william federer is an historian par excellence and uh, he is one of the people that I turn to and whose materials I turn to when I want to understand something about American history. Bill, welcome to The Awakening. And thank you, my friend, for taking time out of what I know is a busy schedule. You're always on the road. You're always speaking, sharing the knowledge you have with others. So thank you for taking time to come and be with us. Hey, Bishop. Great to be with you. Hey, so listen, Bill, first thing is this. Um, before we get into anything else People need to understand you. You you put out some stuff that is just tremendous at a time when our history is under such attack, and when history is being lied about so much. What's the best way for people to connect to you and all the books you've written and all the materials you put out? Well, you're kind. Uh, it's AmericanMinute.com. AmericanMinute.com. All right, that's very simple. Now, Bill, our history, American history, is being slandered, it's being vilified, it's being lied about. You talk in, in one book you've written, I think it's a book on, on talking about Americans, that we are the king, but you talk about the fact that there's a tendency for power to concentrate in the hands of fewer and fewer people and ultimately down to one, and that America is this unique system that's put us in a very different position than any other nation that's ever existed Talk about how lying about our history, distorting our history, 
tends to undermine the vitality of America as a constitutional republic where it is the people who are king. Right. So the most common form of government is a king. I went ahead and spent several years researching from the beginning of the invention of writing, Sumerian cuneiform on clay tablets in the Mesopotamian Valley, today that's Iraq, uh, to today. And you have Nimrods, Pharaohs, Caesar, Kaiser, Sultans, Tsars. It, it's kings. The most common form of government is kings. And as the centuries go on, their kingdoms get bigger. Because with military advancements, they can kill more people. So instead of killing with a rock, like Cain killed Abel, they're killing with a bronze weapon, or an iron weapon, or a phalanx spear the Greeks had, or a scimitar sword that the Muslims had, or gunpowder. The weapon improves, but it's that same fallen nature, and uh, the king of England was the most powerful king on planet Earth. Uh, I thought, it's interesting, they also wanted to track people. Augustus Caesar wanted to have a worldwide tracking system called a census, <laughs> right? I mean, this was his, if he could have had ships and cameras and drones, and uh, he would have done that. But it's this idea that they want to control people. And uh, and the king of England was the biggest. America's founders broke away and flipped it and made the people the king. I go through where the founders in America got the idea, the, the New England pastors. Where did they get their idea? From the Bible. What part of the Bible? That first 400 years when Israel came out of Egypt before they got King Saul. And so it's called the Hebrew Republic. A 400-year period where you have millions of people and no king, and it worked because every citizen was taught the law, and they were personally accountable to God to follow the law. But after 400 years, the priests started to neglect to teach the law, and the high priest Eli, his own sons, are sleeping with women in the very tent where the Ark of the Covenant is. Another Levite with a silver graven image in the house of a guy named Micah, the tribe of Dan, comes along and takes the graven image and tells this Levite, come along with us, you can be a priest to our old tribe. And you're reading the story, scratching your head, thinking, what's this Levi doing with a graven image? Isn't that one of the commandments? You're not supposed to have them? And then the terrible story of a Levite with a concubine. The law says the Levite's to marry a virgin of his own tribe. Here he is with, here he is with a woman he's not even married to. He's not following the law. Uh, the poor girl gets raped to death by sodomites. And by the time you're grossed out with the story, you read this line, every man did that was, which was right in their own eyes. Why? Because the priest had stopped teaching them what was right in the Lord's eyes. And so the power concentrate, or, you know, the the confusion got so bad, they all went to Samuel the prophet. They said, we don't like this self-government system anymore. We want to be like all the other countries. We want a king. And so the rubber band snaps back, and they get King Saul, who turns around and kills most of the priests, right? And so uh, that 400-year experiment was over. But America's founding fathers, particularly these New England pastors, looked back to this Hebrew republic, so much so that they taught Hebrew at Harvard and Yale. Right? The Yale coat of arms has Hebrew characters on it, even to this day. And, uh, you know, Harvard in the 1600s, they would even give their commencement addresses in Hebrew and so forth. And, and of course, that's your, your alma mater for your law school. And, um, and so this concept of let's have self-government, we don't want a king, We're, we have to base it on the people being self-governing, but why do they exhibit this self-government? It's because they're personally accountable to a god. Mm -hmm. This God is not a respecter of persons, and uh, male, female, made in the image of the Creator, no matter what race you are, you're all equal. So we're coming up on, you know, September 17th, Constitution Day. All our Constitution is is a bunch of hurdles to prevent the rubber band from snapping back into the hands of a president who rules through executive orders. 
And Bill, that means based on on your. And by the way, which book is that that you you go through that analysis? It's called "Who Is the King in America," and the subtitle is "An Overview of Six Thousand Years and Why America Is Unique." Who is the king in America? Um, but but if you can undermine the notion of self governance, meaning that every person's accountable to God and therefore should govern ourselves and obey his law, and therefore we don't need the heavy hand of government trying to control every single one of us. Obviously, we have basic laws against crime and that sort of thing. But if you undermine the notion that we're all accountable to God, you kind of undermine the foundational principle of America, don't you? Or haven't you? Right. So I I see a parent can uh, give a kid the car keys. And say, look, you're a good kid. You have internal morals. You're going to do what's right. You can drive around, come home whenever, you know, because I know you're going to do what's right. Uh, so he has lots of freedom. But if this kid hangs around the wrong friends, drinks and drives and parties and speeds and drives like a maniac, the police are going to catch him, impound the car, and put him in jail behind bars. So, teenager, you are going to be controlled either voluntarily from the inside or forcibly from the outside. Same way with the nation. We're either going to be voluntarily controlled with internal morals and we're personally accountable to God who's everywhere watching us, wanting us to be fair, or we're going to teach these kids there is no God, there is no right and wrong. You don't even know if you're a boy or a girl anymore. There's no borders, no guidelines, total lawlessness. We shove these kids out on the street and they begin to commit crimes and, and, and they you know walk out of Lowe's and CVS with carts full of stuff and just put it in their car without paying for it. I mean, it's going to turn into chaos. And once there is chaos and looting and robbing in the streets and our downtowns have been turned into mayhem, people are going to say, we want the government to restore order. And so the government comes in and says, okay, we're going to restore order. We just need some emergency powers. And sure enough, they restore order. But when the dust settles, you've just given up your bottom-up form of government. And it's flipped to a top-down, the polarity changed to a top-down form of government, and we're basically back to a dictatorship. Like in New York now, where you can't do anything, it seems, not in the way of any economic transactions, without a, a vaccination passport that documents that you have obeyed the government and you have been vaccinated. Otherwise, you can't go to a store, a restaurant. Uh, I mean, basically, you're barred Almost like what we read about happening in the days of and when the Antichrist comes, you are barred from almost any kind of, of economic transaction necessary to survive. Yeah, I was reading where ancient Rome had the instituted where everyone had to uh, show their loyalty and pinch some incense before a statue of the emperor, and then they would be given a certificate to show that they had, and they had to carry this certificate around with them, and they couldn't buy or sell without, you know, showing this certificate that they had worshipped the emperor. And um, uh, But it even gets more serious than that. I was reading where 3rd century Emperor Diocletian loses some battles with Persia, and he asked his generals why, and they said, well, you've neglected worshiping the Roman gods. So Diocletian says, okay, everyone in the military, you have to worship the Roman gods. Well, this is the third century. Christianity's been around, and there's a lot of Christians in the military. They cannot worship and the, the pagan gods, and they're kicked out. 
Once the Christians are out of the military, Diocletian decided to use the military to force the entire Roman Empire to return to worshiping the Roman gods, and it starts this empire-wide persecution, province by province, tearing down churches, arresting pastors, cutting out their tongues, boiling them alive. It's the worst persecution in 300 years. And so when you see that you have an administration that says, okay, we're going to force everyone in the military to do the transgendered stuff, the critical race theory stuff, gee, what happens to the people that morally cannot go along with that? They are pushed out. What if the military says, okay, everybody's got to be vaccinated? What if somebody has a moral opposition to that? They're pushed out. Once all of those people are out, who's left? People that will just obey and have... Uh, so it's a, it's a dangerous... We may be setting up for some serious persecution. Folks, my guest is Bill Federer, historian, uh, researcher, scholar. AmericanMinute.com is his website. We're going to come back with some more questions, Bill. Folks, stand by because we've just touched on this and there's more to come. It's my turn. Here is your host for My Turn, Don Wildman. It's a funny age in which you and I are living. We have more now than any people in the history of mankind. We earn the highest wages, eat more of the best food, wear more of the finest clothes, live better in well-constructed houses, travel farther by faster and more comfortable means, retire earlier, and live longer. All this, and we are, in some respects, the most miserable people ever. The American Chemical Society says that normal Americans use millions and millions of dollars worth of tranquilizers every year. And listen to this. About one out of 12 Americans take tranquilizers regularly. But take heart, tranquilizer takers. There are some 50 varieties to choose from, and you can have your choice. Dr. Herbert Ratner says that America is the most over-medicated, over-operated, over-inoculated, and yet the most anxiety-ridden country in all the world. We suffer most from so-called diseases of civilization, including uh, neurosis, high blood pressure, ulcers, anybody have one, and heart disease. And here's a figure that is appalling to any sensible person. Suicide is the second cause of all deaths between the ages of 15 and 25. In the years in which life is supposed to be the greatest, suicide ranks second in the taking of lives. The trouble is, according to Dr. Ratner, we look upon mental and physical health as a commodity that can be bought in the supermarket. We have been increasingly a paying animal, whereas we have become decreasingly a praying animal, as if spiritual truth were unrelated to total health. That's what Dr. Ratner said. The secret here, you see, is that being sound physically and mentally doesn't complete the person. It will any other animal, but, but not man. Man has about him a spiritual side which is ever more important than the physical or mental. Whether we are willing to admit it or not, mind and body and spirit affect each other for good or ill. The man of Galilee had a word to say here. Seek first his kingdom, he said and his righteousness, and all these things 
he knew only too well that happiness comes from wholeness. This may well be one interpretation of the Beatitudes. Blessed are they, he said. And here he's saying that the happy people are those who relate themselves to themselves, to others, to their world, and to the Creator in the way he intended for them to do when he made them. It's a funny thing indeed that those who are seeking desperately for happiness never find it. And those who are too busy doing something worthwhile to seek happiness, they're the most happy. It is true then that the deep wisdom which the carpenter of Nazareth taught man nearly 2,000 years ago still rings true today. Many who have failed to find comfort in tranquilizers have come to find the truth in that statement. So give the statement a try in your life today. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things shall be yours as well. You know, I think you'll be mighty glad you did. This has been My Turn with Don Wildman, a production of the American Family Association. The Awakening. The Awakening. Download and listen at your leisure with the podcast page at AFR.net. Now, back to our host, Bishop E.W. Jackson. My guest is William Federer. He is an historian, and this is Celebrate American History Month. Uh, folks, I just can't begin to, to say how thankful I am that, that he is out there trying to correct people uh, on this, this misunderstanding of America and who we are. Bill, we, we see interviews of kids being asked, are you proud of your country? No, no, I'm embarrassed. Uh, kids saying things like, I don't support the, I don't support America. I don't support uh, American Olympians. I only support people. I don't support uh, teams just because I happen to live here. I mean, th- there's, a, there's a, a disdain. Just recently, I'm sure you heard a, a school in Washington refused to do a commemor- commemoration of 911 with the football players wearing red, white, and blue because they were afraid it might trigger someone. It might be perceived as racist or insensitive. So, so Bill, we, we know the problem. You're an historian. What would you recommend to the parents listening, to teachers who care about our children, getting a true understanding of who we are as a country? What would you recommend that they read? How would you recommend that they correct the misimpressions left by critical race theory and the 1619 Project and Howard Zinn's People's uh, History of the United States, which is nothing but a, a, a communist uh, propaganda piece, what would you suggest to people? What should they read? How should they approach trying to correct our understanding of who we are as Americans and our history? Well, thank you. Um, I did a book recently called Socialism, The Real History from Plato to the Present. The subtitle is How the Deep State Capitalizes on Crises to Consolidate Control. And uh, I've done numerous interviews on it, uh, spoken across the country. But Socialism is basically a bait and switch. It's a sales campaign for dictatorship. So if the most common form of government is a king, the rare situation is where people can rule themselves without a king. Uh, That's where you had that first 400 years of ancient Israel before they got King Saul. And then Athens, there was a king named Solon, S-O-L-O-N, and uh, in the 500 B.C. period of time, he set up a democracy in Athens and left town, so they had to do it. And a democracy, they had 6,000 citizens, demos means people, cross means rule, 
and all the citizens had to go to the market every day and talk politics, but you physically had to be there. Uh, and so the, it never grew larger than a city because logistically you couldn't travel any farther, so they called them city-states. Uh, a republic, Rome had a republic. Uh, that's where you're, you have representatives that go in your place uh, to the market every day and talk politics. So you can take care of your family and your farm and be busy with your life, and they're looking out for your interests. So a republic is where the people are king, ruling through representatives. And so when you pledge allegiance to the flag and to the republic, you're basically pledging allegiance to you being in charge of yourself. Mm -hmm. It's like all of us together are in charge of all of us together. Um, you're not pledging allegiance to a, a king's uh, emblem or a throne or a crown. No, we're pledging allegiance to us being in charge under God. And so, well, and again, Bill, so Bill, Bill, Bill just, just, just pause a moment. I want people to let that sink in. So when you oppose the flag, what you're really opposing is our representing ourselves. That is our being our own sovereigns. You're, you're, you're opposing a system which puts power in the hands of the people. Yeah, it, it's totally irony. So, so in America, the people are the king. Uh, you know, I, I love the one quote. Uh, from, uh, I think it was Joseph Story, who was the first Chief Justice, he said that, um, talking about the revolution, he says, uh, your lives, your liberty, and your property will be at the disposal only of yourselves and your creator. And I thought, well, that's, that's what makes America great. It's your lives, your liberty, your property are all at the disposal of you and God. You get to decide what you want to do with your life, where you want to live, who you want to marry, what clothes you want to, what church you want to go to, what education you want to in other words, you get to be the king of your life, and then all of us together are the king of the country. And so when somebody uh, objects to the flag or protests the flag, what they're saying is, I don't want to be the king anymore. I don't like being in charge anymore. I want somebody else to rule my life. And, it's like, and so there's two tactics to take power away from the people. So since the king is the norm, the concentrated power is the norm. Sort of like the movie The Lord of the Rings, where Gandalf tells Frodo, always remember, Frodo, the ring is trying to get back to its master. It wants to be found. Power wants to concentrate. It's like a magnetic pull, like gravity. And and so you, it's the default setting. You put some kids on a playground, one's the bully. You put some junior high girls in a clique, one's the diva. You put some people in the woods, one of them is an Indian chief. You put them in an inner city, one of them is a gang leader. And all a king is is a glorified gang leader. And, of course, he can be called different names, a Pharaoh Caesar Kaiser or a chairman or a presidente or whatever, oh, mm -hmm. the name changes, but power wants to concentrate. Now let's say we have a democracy or a republic, and power is taken away from the king and put in the hands of the people. But let's say a king wants the power back. Does he just go to the people and say, hey, everybody, can you give me all your rights and freedoms back and let me be in charge of everybody's life again? Uh, the people will, will sort of hesitate giving up their freedoms. So there's two tactics for the king to take the power back. Fear and free stuff. Fear is when people get in fear and in panic, they will trade their freedom for security. And the mm. other is you get people dependent on, hey, here's giveaway stuff, giveaway stuff, and then they get dependent on it, and they say, oh, you want to continue to get some more stuff? you got to give up some of your freedom. So a drug dealer can take over a neighborhood two ways. He can come in with guns, shoot people, get everybody into fear, and then they panic, and they go to the mob, and they, they agree to pay protection money uh, as long as the mob doesn't kill them, right? Or the drug dealer can give away free drugs and get everybody hooked. 
And once they're hooked, he says, oh, oh, you want more free drugs? You're going to have to sell yourself into prostitution. You're going to have to rob from your neighbor. Right? So the idea is that you get people to get into fear and knee-jerk reaction. They'll say, we need the government to come in and, and keep everybody healthy and, and keep everybody safe. Uh, that's one way. Uh, but the other is what's called the Great Reset, where you get uh, seniors on, on fixed income. You get people re- relying on Social Security, and you get younger people relying on welfare. You get everybody getting a dole from the government, and then you have uh, inflation and taxation that destroys the middle class. So you have trillions of dollars worth of extra dollars being printed. What does that do? There's the same amount of goods, so the price of the goods go up. And so people on fixed income, uh, their savings evaporate, and they need the government to come in and bail them out. And then the government is happy to help to bail them out, and then the government says, oh, you want to continue to get your Social Security check? Uh, you got to go down and get your shot. And you got to get your booster shot. And you got to do this. And you got to, oh, you want to continue? Well, you got to give up all your guns. You, you got to give up. And so to continue to get the free stuff, and so they want to do this not just nationally, but globally. So it's called the Great Reset. You basically bankrupt the whole world. Everybody is out of money. And they also go to those that are in charge and say, hey, you know, take care of us. And they say, okay, we will. They're like in Egypt where they, you know, go to Pharaoh and they say, hey, give us some grain. And they say, okay, we're going to take your cattle, we're going to take your land. We're going to take your children. We're going to take your lives, but we'll give you a bag of a corn, you know? And, and uh, you know, so there's two I, ways you, to institute socialism, fear and free stuff. And using that analogy, Bill, about the drug dealer, the drug dealer also will say to people, if you want to continue to get the drugs, you have to spy on your neighbor for me. You have to tell me about what your neighbor may be saying that is against me. And ultimately, you might have to kill your neighbor for me. And let's face wow. it, that's where these dictatorial systems ultimately go. They turn neighbor against neighbor and ultimately have people killing one another. And that's, to me, that's what this tribalism uh, and this, this effort to divide us by race and gender and this, that, and the other is ultimately getting trying to get people to hate one another. And who knows where that ultimately goes. Hey, listen, Bill, you're going to be on my, te- uh, te- I'm starting to say television, on my conference call tomorrow at 12 noon Eastern time, the National Awakening Coalition conference call. And there you're going to have an opportunity to expound for about 20 minutes or so on some aspect of American history that you choose. And folks, if you want to join in that call and be able to ask Bill Federer some questions, uh, just go to our website, standamerica.us, and, uh, and you'll get the number there to call in. And he will be on with me tomorrow at 12 noon Eastern time as part of Celebrate American History Month. Hey, Bill, that, that's going to do it for today. I, I told my staff I need 25 segments, and then it wouldn't do Bill Federer justice. So, so, Bill, but thank you so much. The insight's been great. God bless you, my friend. Keep up the good work, and I'll talk to you tomorrow at 12 noon Eastern time on the National Awakening Coalition Conference Call. Stand by, folks. Okay, we'll be back in a moment. Thank you, my friend. The American Family Association's mission is to inform, equip, and activate individuals to strengthen the moral foundations of our culture. Our goal is to be a leading organization in biblical worldview training for cultural transformation. Here are some of our core values. AFA aims to evangelize the lost and disciple the believer. AFA aims to strengthen biblical marriages and equip parents to raise godly children. Thank you for standing with us as we seek to stop the erosion of godly values. 
Hurricane Ida is one of the strongest hurricanes to hit Louisiana to date. Thousands are in need of hope and help, so 8 Days of Hope is headed to Louisiana to help them begin rebuilding their lives. If you're local to the area or if you can travel, you're very welcome to join. But if you can't do that, you're still able to help through your prayers and donations. To sign up as a volunteer or to donate, go to 8daysofhope.com. 8daysofhope.com. Did you know that over 62 million babies have been aborted since Roe versus Wade? Every single one of these babies' lives was dear and precious. Why isn't the world declaring these babies as lost? Here's Dan Steiner, the president of Preborn, a ministry dedicated to saving babies' lives from abortion through ultrasound. I sense God's broken heart over the issue of abortion. You see, he sees every little baby that's being formed in the mother's womb, and it breaks his heart to see when the lifetime that he has planned for them is taken from them violently so often. The Ministry of Preborn is the largest provider of free ultrasounds in the country, introducing women considering abortion to their precious preborn baby. By letting a mother see her baby on ultrasound and hear the heartbeat, she'll choose life 80% of the time. To find out more, go to preborn.com or dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250 and say baby. I remember praying and I said, I know that you're my Lord and I know that you're my Savior. You're my boss. You're my boss, if you will. But would it be okay, I get emotional every time I talk about this, would it be okay if I could know you as a friend? Skillet lead singer John Cooper on Focus on the Family Minute. And again, this voice came in my head and said, not just a friend, a daddy. And that, it wrecked me. It wrecked me so much, and all of a sudden, the Bible verses started coming back to me, mm-hmm. that Christ is a friend of sinners, that we cry, Abba, Father, yes. Daddy, Father. And all of a sudden, the scriptures come back to me, and I say, what is wrong with me? How can I forget that God has never left me and that He is a Father, that He is a friend to sinners? He is a Father to the fatherless, the yeah. Bible says. More from John at FamilyMinute.org. Back to The Awakening with Bishop E.W. Jackson on American Family Radio. You know, folks, uh, first of all, the number is 888-589-8840. I've got some uh, time to take some of your calls, your comments, any reflections on 911 or or on the Gestapo tactics that are now being used with regard to these vaccines. You all have heard Dr. Fauci. I said we ought to start calling him Dr. Fauci-Stein because the man's become, uh, 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 he's, he, he's making monsters of people. But he wants now everybody to have a vaccine passport before you can fly, before you can travel. Be, I mean, he wants to turn us into a police state, basically. And no wonder this man was so enamored of these scientists and, in the Wuhan laboratory. Oh, they're, they're, they're reputable scientists like you, like you, uh, totalitarianists who support a dictatorial leader who's turned himself into a god i think fauci may aspire to the same status he wants he wants to be seen as a god well he's not maybe a devil but certainly not god and folks i don't i don't mean that gratuitously because i you know this man is using his perch to try to impose upon the american people a kind of of totalitarian system in which every single one of us is demanded 
and required to have some kind of vaccine passport in order to, to basically in order to live. I mean, are you kidding me? Rand Paul was right. I, I said it before Rand Paul did, but he, he may have said it. I, well, he may have said it first, but I, I didn't hear him say it. But I said Fauci needs to be investigated and maybe commit a charge with crimes. Because I, I really believe financing this whole thing is a violation of statutory law and therefore may be punishable by criminal statute. But Rand Paul came along and said Fauci may be eligible for a five-year imprisonment term for lying to Congress. You put those two together, I think you got somebody who ought to be in jail, not the highest paid person in the federal government. 888-589-8840 is the number. And I'm sure you all heard this story about this Washington school that has the unmitigated gall to not let their football players wear uh, red, white, and blue to commemorate 911 because it would be racially insensitive. Uh, folks, please. You know, hearing that kind of stuff, <laughs> oh, Lord, have mercy. I'm just, uh, thank God for Jesus. Thank, thank God for his grace in my life. <laughs> folks, this is, the, this is the honest truth. I haven't said a curse word since I got saved in, on December 22nd of 1976, and that's the truth. God just took it from me. He really, it wasn't, I'm not patting myself over here. I'm so holy. No, 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 none of that. None of that. God just took it from me because I was a salty Marine and I could let it rip. But I tell you, hearing this kind of stuff, it's enough to make you want to cuss. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just, and, you know, I don't, folks, and I wouldn't even at that. But, but you understand my point? Are you kidding me? To commemorate the courage and the honor of those who gave their lives, trying to save the lives of others, and, and to commemorate the, the, the 2,977 Americans who lost their lives, and you don't want to put on red, white, and blue or have a football team wear red, white, and blue because you're afraid it might be racially insensitive? Oh, my goodness gracious, Lord, help us here. Help us. Because that is, that is so preposterous. It just defies. Here's what the, what the teacher, no, a student spoke out and said, I was upset and confused as to why the theme was changed. So I went around asking, and the students explained to me that the red, white, and blue was going to be seen as racially insensitive and may affect people in a way that we will not understand. And for that reason, we were, no, we were, we were to change our theme. Oh, my goodness, Lord, help us. And by the way, while all this so-called racial insensitivity is being touted by the left, and oh, you know, they're so, of course, they're so morally superior to the rest of us. I mean, you haven't realized that. Well, well, my goodness, what planet are you living on? Of course, they are so morally superior to the rest of us that they get to lecture the rest of us on how racist we are and how narrow-minded we are and how homophobic we are and how Islamophobic we are and, and all of that, right? I mean, we're just, we're just the dregs of the earth compared to them. I mean, my goodness gracious. In fact, why aren't they God? Because they certainly seem to aspire to that level of, of decency and morality that, you know, I mean, I, I guess from their perspective, they don't believe in God anyway, but from their perspective, if there were a God, he should abdicate and let them take over. Well, Larry Elder has a different picture 
because he's had a woman wear a gorilla suit, throw eggs at him. He's been called the black face of white supremacy by these leftists who are claimed to, always claiming to be so racially sensitive. No, no, we can't wear red, red, white, and blue. That would be racially insensitive. Oh, but you can call that black man any name you want because after all, he doesn't agree with us and therefore he doesn't count. I've said it before, folks. I'll say it again. These leftists are the biggest racists on the planet because they think that they own people on the basis of the color of their skin. And I'll tell you what, I don't wake up a single morning thinking about what the Ku Klux Klan or the, or the skinheads or anybody, any of these folks are going to do. I don't agree with them. I denounce all of that. I mean, it's, it's wrong. It's evil. But these people are so marginal. It, please. Uh, who, who, you know, they're off in their little corner doing whatever they want to do, thinking whatever they think. But most Americans looking at them going, you know, get, get over it. Yeah, I mean, just get a life and stop buying into this idiotic, idiotic cultish nonsense. But I tell you what I do wake up every morning thinking about and praying about what the left is doing to this country and their influence and where it could take us if it's not halted. That I do think and pray about a lot. Because in my view, they are the greatest danger to the future of this nation that we have ever faced internally. 888-589-8840. Let's get a few calls in here. Uh, let's see. Let's go to Clem in Louisiana. Clem, welcome. How you doing today, Bishop Jackson? I'm doing great, Clem. Hope you are too. Uh, doing wonderful. So quick uh uh, comment and I'll, I'll hang up and let you comment on or whatever. Uh, I work for the state of Louisiana and uh, went down to do a little hurricane relief uh, for Hurricane Ida around Baton Rouge. Uh, stayed at the convention center. Well, supposed to stay at the convention center. Work all day uh, Tuesday, that Tuesday after the storm. Uh, get back to the convention center after 9 o'clock or whatever and we were told that if we wanted to go into the convention center to take a shower, to sleep, to eat, use a bathroom, anything like that, we had to be vaccinated or uh, COVID test. And, uh, so we all got together and I, the way I, we, I figure is where we go, one, we go, we go all. So we all left. Wow. And that's all I wanted to say. Now you can comment wow. on that, you know, and I'll listen to what you have yeah. to say. You yeah. Have a Clem, great day. You too. You too, Clem. See folks here again, I said jokingly enough to make you cuss. It's enough to make you weep too, make you so angry that you want to cry. Here you got people who are volunteering to help others and you got these little tyrannical bureaucrats running around. You know, in, in New York, you know, they've, they've commissioned a whole group of inspectors to go into restaurants, into every institution in New York, and basically examine them, watch them, spy on them to see whether they're asking people to get vaccinated. Uh, you heard one of the Fox News uh, anchors say he went to a restaurant. The place was practically empty. He said, and they asked him for his vaccination card. He showed them that. They said, you have anything with an ID with your name on it? He showed them that. They said, you have anything with a picture ID on it? He just finally said, you know what? That's okay. I I'll skip dinner. He said, I walked out. He said, it was, it was ridiculous. He said, I'm looking at the restaurant. The place is empty. I'm a customer. I show you what you've asked for. That's not enough. It, that we're, we, are, we are looking at police state tactics here. And like I said, Bill de Blasio loves it because his hero is Fidel Castro. <sighs> Let's go to Chris in Ohio. Chris, welcome. Uh, uh, 
Yes, sir. Bishop, uh, Bishop Jackson? Yes. yes. Good to have you on, Chris. Chris. Uh, sir, thank you for, you truly are a man of God. We love you. We listen to you every day. You are right on the button, and I, we you, love Chris. you. Now, I had a little, what I mentioned to your associate, I cannot understand you being a Marine, me being Army during Vietnam, and why isn't a court-martial brought up against the President, some of these generals, the Secretary of State? They went about it the wrong way, and then they left their weapon, all these billions of dollars worth. I almost lost my stripes. I set my M-16 down about five feet from me, talking to another soldier. The captain walked with the lieutenant, walked by. We saluted him. He did not salute. He picked up my weapon, and he said, who does this belong to? Well, I just about lost my stripes that day, and uh, he chewed me out, and he let me know what was going to happen. But He said I was a good soldier, and he said, I'm only going to warn you, if you leave this unattended, or anybody, you're losing your mm-hmm. stripes. Now, Chris, I'm, M- Chris, I've got it. I'm almost out of time. But, Chris, you, you look, you nailed it. I think impeachment. See, the question is, who's going to do it? I, I, do, do they deserve it? Yes. The question is, who's going to do it? Let me try to get one more call in here before we have to go. Let's go to Brian in Georgia. Brian, welcome. Yes, sir. I was uh, wanting to comment on that shot that they have. I was wondering why they want to do it so bad, but I think it might be because it can gel your blood up if they throw a magnetic signal at you or something. (laughs) Okay, Brian. Okay, Brian. Thanks for the call, Brian. I don't know about that one. Let's get one more in. I just don't know. That's exotic. Let's go to Chris in Virginia. Chris, welcome. Oh, yes, sir. Bishop, we're calling from the capital city of Richmond. Had a couple of things. Uh, We were out downtown Richmond, actually on Monument Avenue, probably 10 blocks from where they just removed the statue. And there uh-huh. was a plane flying above with the banner. I'm assuming it came from the raceway, and it had a, a Confederate flag and said, God bless Robert E. Lee. And I took a video of it, put it on social media, uh, and posted it, and it disappeared. So uh, I just kind of well, got wondering. Well, Chris, thank you for the call. Look, folks, well, what can I say? Is anybody's life going to be changed by removing the statue of Robert E. Lee? Is anybody's life going to be improved? Is anything going to be better? The answer is absolutely not. Uh, This is more like the Gestapo than like America. Folks, remember, though, we cannot be defeated if we will not quit because we are on God's side. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.